When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Of all the clubs in the world, perhaps the most extraordinary is the Guinea Pig Club, a group of Second World War veterans that suffered terrible injuries and were then treated by pioneering plastic surgeon Archie McKindo, a man who gave these soldiers their lives back. Today on the History Hit Warfare podcast, I dig deep into the History Hit archive, as I do every Wednesday, to pull out an episode that deserves more attention. And this one is with a veteran, a hero, and one of these guinea pigs, Jan Stangrejuk. Dan interviewed him a couple of years ago, and it's truly a remarkable episode where you hear all about this pioneering surgery and the impact it had on these soldiers' lives. Enjoy. What is your heritage? Were you born in Poland? Yes, I was born in Poland. And in 1935, my parents decided to emigrate to Argentina. Why did they do that? Were they worried about the coming war? Yes, in a certain way. Yes, they had experience passing through the first war. And they knew the Second War is uh, unavoidable. So you were born in Poland. When were you born? I was born 1804-1922. That's confidentially, I tell you. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. You look, I think you're an imposter. You look about 30 years younger. Thank you. <laughs> and how old were you when you left Poland? I was uh, 15. Why did you leave? Uh, because, you see, Poland was, uh, as you know, regained their independence after the First War. And after the Germans were looking for expansion of their territory. So your parents were worried? That yeah, Poland my parents be- were worried because the Germans used to put pressure on Poland to let them, all the troops, to invade Russia. And Poland didn't want to make to Germany no any arrangement to do that. And we just wanted to be living with our short independence and without being involved with the Germans, you know, plan what they had to expand. 
And so your parents, were they, were they worried about war coming? Yes. And when you were in Argentina, a teenage boy, did you feel Polish or did you feel Argentinian? I feel Polish. I feel Polish because I had to learn Argentinian language, the Spanish language. And of course, there was a different life what it was, I would say, in Poland and in Europe. The country was very big and very few people were living in Argentina. And when you heard the terrible news that Hitler had invaded Poland, how did you feel? We had treaty before Germany invaded Poland between England and France. And we were given very strong promise when the Germans attack Poland, what will get military help from England and France. So you see, we've been very happy, but as Germans attack Poland, then Russian on fourth, fourth day attack Poland from the east. So you see Poland completely lost heart to fight those super power nations. But you were a teenage boy in Argentina. How did you feel? I felt upsetting what my country only had such a short time living independently and making quick progress to recover after lots of years of occupation. I had very big heart patriots for my country and I knew volunteers going to England to fight Germans during that time and uh, I applied for that advertisement. I think it was uh, mostly uh, British, French who decided to emigrate and I joined in. So you, you were prepared, even though you were in Argentina, safe. You could have had a nice life. You wanted to risk your life. Yes, yes, quite true. Because I tell you why. The Germans knew what England was getting lots of supplies from Western approach. And the problem was they had lots of battleships cruising around South Atlantic and lots of submarines making very big uh, damage to the sea communication what were heading to England with precious supply because big convoys bringing supply to England had escort from battleships, you see, so they were much safer. But those big liners who, as the war started, luxurious passenger li liners, they were converted to carry meat, food supply during the war. So the Germans were making terrific gains by doing damage to supply what was heading to England from Western approach. But you, as a young boy, your mother and father, 
they'd taken you to Argentina to be safe from the war, and now you were going back to the war. Yes. Did, did, what did your parents say? My mother, for the last months before my ticket arrived for the journey to England, was every time when we sat to have a meal, she was looking and crying. And I was so happy the sooner I could get on the boat to England. So, uh, I mean, I won't be making so long upset for my mother. My father was in the First War also military man. So he gave me my own decision. He told me, if you decide to go with lots of volunteers, you do it as you like, he said, because you decided what you want to go, and if I stop you, I probably will be to blame. And I decided to go. Now, it's 80 years later. You suffered during the war. Was that the right decision to go? Yes, yes, it was, because I tell you, without having trust in England and France at that time, I think uh, the Europe may be different for years and years to come. And I think I had trust in England what we probably have to take risk in the end to tell Germans their expansion is stopped. And our uh, Prime Minister, uh, Neil Cherblin, uh, in the end, he knew what the Hitler never gave him promise, what it will be peace in Europe. But for you personally, you could have lived in Argentina, had a nice farm, yeah. and instead you got terribly injured in the war. But for, for you, was it the right decision? Yes, because I tell you why. As my country regained their independence after 100 years, we were proud to be free. Because in those days, the Russians occupied half of my country and the Germans second half. And they were always very, very badly treating my people. And I thought I had the biggest intention to come to England as that war started, because the Germans, as the war started, they were almost proud and very sure what Europe is under their control. But I thought I must go, as England in that time was very big superpower, yes. And I thought if they stopped the Germans, I thought somebody had to go and face it too. And I decided that nobody will stop me going. But the trouble was, as we left Buenos Aires at night, everything was so secretive because the Germans had their spies all through South America. So 
We've been told never talk to strangers as we were waiting for the, our big boat to start sailing. And uh, when we left Buenos Aires, our boat starts zigzagging, not going straight line because the German submarine pinpointing those big liners and waiting for them. So at one time we had to hide ourselves to Trinidad Harbor, that's a small island on the coast of South America. So our boat, instead of take three weeks to come to Belfast, took much longer. And when you arrived in the UK, how were you treated? Were the people happy to see you? I think English people were almost to us give everything hard. They knew we came to England and we had that uh, determination to fight with them. We had everything we couldn't expect no more as the people give us during that time. And what, what did you join? What branch of the services did you join? Yes, soon as I had my medical board, you had to decide what unit you select for yourself, to Royal Navy, or to RAF, or to Army, or to other units. And of course, when you're young, you thought the flight was the most exciting for the young fellow because, as you know, there was much uh, better pay, uh, more promotion, and you see, you get so, so, uh, I would say, popular between really? the people popular. because we had for uh, boys in RAF uniforms always big respect what they were facing. And popular with the women? Ah, women, thank you for asking me. They were wonderful. I tell you why. Because, you see, we posed during that time. We wanted to learn English. And we've been told the, the quicker, that's true, to learn English if you find yourself girlfriend. Because you find yourself girlfriend and you start communicating with her, you see, by letter. And that sometimes you, instead of sleep, you're thinking, how could you put that letter in proper wording? So you say, you always used to make progress to learn English because uh, we attended to school in spare hours. But we also had lots of support from the girls till Americans came. When Americans came, they made little competition with the dollars, you see. But never mind, we were before them. We came to England and we felt we had upper hand over Americans. <laughs> and in the RAF, did you serve alongside many famous other Polish airmen or were you with a British crew? We've uh, had uh, part of uh, English uh, training, 
part of Polish instructors, but uh, mostly Polish pilots and Polish different members of the bomber crews. They had, uh, I would say, already doing their active job. So we had mostly instructor British, you see, and we in the evening had to attend school to learn after our uh, supper to make progress as much as possible. And uh, in the end, after a few months, I started corresponding with letters to my different friends. And I was almost so happy what I could speak Spanish and English on top of that. <laughs> yeah, three languages, very impressive. Yes. Was your first active service in a Lancaster? No, no. My first service was Wellington. Two engine bombers. Very old, first in the, as the war started, yeah. that was our, the best bomber. Were you doing daylight raids in those Wellingtons? Uh, yes, we, but we, we've been doing mostly flying at night. Okay. Our you see, mission, what we used to do, because we've been trained to fly that night. And what date was this? When, when did you start flying those Wellingtons? So we used to fly over uh, France, uh, General Petain. Yeah. Uh, as a leader of uh, that part of France, what was uh, under French rules, to drop leaflets and give them support what we're still fighting and we're going to regain for them their freedom. And when did you start dropping bombs? During my training to get bigger uh, mission, on the program to go and bomb Germany. I had continuous training. We had maybe two more weeks being prepared to our missions will change from easy, easier mission what we've been doing from beginning, but to start bombing Germans. And we were flying at night. Was this the summer of 1940? We already... Uh, yeah, 42. And by now we're in 42. Yeah. Okay. And during that uh, special night uh, mission, we had to go over North Sea, as close to the German border as possible. And uh, during the takeoff, one engine failed. And that's when I crash, you see. How many minutes, how many seconds after taking off? Oh, I think maybe a few seconds. That's why the people who, when we crash, they knew. And those people were brave because first when I recovered my memory, I wanted to go to the front of the plane because I was thinking maybe I will be helping some members of the crew in front because there is pilot, navigator, wireless operator in front of the plane. And I was going, but the plane was not 
burning yet. So I was able to walk in front of the plane. And then suddenly, when I reached pilot, he was still tied up. The plane exploded because there were still lots of fuel in the tanks. When you woke up, were you bleeding? Were you, were you hurt? I didn't feel what uh, I was uh, seriously received certain injuries. But I was very wobbly and I knew I have to slowly try to reach the front of the plane and see what's happening to my members of the crew. Were they your friends? Were you close with them by that yes, time? Yes, very much so. We were more than brothers together, you see, because we knew we fight our lives one for another one. So, you see, it was terrific friendship, you know, what we developed. And as I reached my pilot, I've been trying to pull him out, and I knew he was still stripped with his belt because he gave us order. He said, we cannot bail out because we have not enough, but we're heading for crash owing to engine failure. So I couldn't pull him out, and I thought, what I'm going to do now, because at that time, plane explode with lots of fuel who spread underneath. And I was left hopeless. So I couldn't see nothing, so I covered my left side of my face with my left hand, and with my right hand, I tried to look for exit. Luckily, during the crash, my Wellington broken in half. I somehow could see very difficult view when I opened my eye, what there was a bit of daylight. And through that exit, I squeezed myself out of the plane. But I was already, my flying suit was ignited in fire. And I was on my ground trying to get far as possible out of bit of distance from the plane. And during that time, people who came and tear my flying suit from me, because you see, when the plane exploded, some of the fuel was everywhere and some spray on my flying suit. When he exploded, that fire, I was in cloud of fire. The pl plane was all covered in fire, you see. So I was lucky what somehow with that last glance through that exit, what I could feel with my hand, got myself out. 
but I already was in fire because my flying suit was uh, wet. And did any of the other crew survive? No. You see, because uh, they were in front and the heaviest impact, you know, uh, is always in front, you see, because there is engine and so on. I was lucky because I was rear gunner, you see. And for that reason, that crack on part of the plane, what I squeezed myself out. Ever wanted to know more about some of the greatest stories in history? Kings, queens, knights, monks, peasants, battles, castles, love, hate, treachery and revenge? They're all waiting in the greatest millennium in human history. Well, yet anyway. I'm Matt Lewis and my co-host Dr Kat Jarman and I are waiting to tell you some of the most exciting, exhilarating, fascinating and less well-known stories of the Middle Ages. What are you waiting for? We've gone medieval with History Hit. Are you coming? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And how bad were your injuries? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. I, I would have been happier if somebody during that time really shoot me few times because the pain, the fire is the biggest enemy what you could face. But those people were almost, when they tear my flying suit, I was uh, almost fire here all have everything I lost, you see, and eyesight too, because everything was red in, in my. 
but they were telling me, those people, thank you for asking me, what they already found for the ambulance. And they were promising me, you'll be all right, don't you worry, the ambulance is already on its way. But the pain was shocking, shocking. And soon as ambulance came, they also start telling me, don't you worry, you'll be all right, that's nothing happened much. We're taking you to hospital, and they took me to Cosford Hospital near Wolverhampton, REF Hospital. And of course, they give me pills and injection quickly, and they put me to sleep. And when I recover my sleeping, I couldn't say nothing. Only I knew the doctor was close by talking uh, to nurses and giving them advice, I think, what they have to give me when I woke myself up. And they told me what they're going to do. They're going to give me every day a hot bath and tear the dressing, you see what I was covered all, all in my head, years, because they must change the dressing every day, full of oil on it, wet in oil. So when they put your new dressing with oil, they don't get hard healing. So they every day fresh dressing. They take the old one out and put the new one. And that's how the first skin, whatever skin will uh, start to cover that burn part of your body. And during that time, after one week, continuously having same procedure, you see, that bath. That big doctor came, Sir Archibald Mackindu, because he used to go visit different hospitals, because lots of my colleagues, REF fellows, were having crashes all over the country. So he, used to come and visit those different hospitals and people who are badly burned will take them to his Greenstead Hospital in Sussex. So my local doctor from that RF hospital, Cosford, came and he said, Jan, listen, Today you will see one of the very important doctors. And he said, I don't know what he's going to decide. You probably will have to be transferred to another hospital. But he said, I'm not sure what he will decide. So when he came, he popped me on the shoulder. He said, I came to see you from another hospital. 
So I said, thank you, doctor. He said, and how do you feel? How do they treat you? I said, I could ask for nothing better. I said, at least my pain is easy now. He said, don't you worry. I take you to my hospital. And he mentioned his Grinstead. He said, will you be happy to be moved from here? I said, doctor, I cannot see you. But whatever decision you make, if you think it will be in my favor, I leave it to you. He said, yes, tomorrow they bring you by ambulance. And he said, when you come to my hospital, you find different nation of your colleague, Polish, English, French, he said, Canadians. He said, all different mixture. And when McIndoe, how many operations did he do on you to repair yes. the skin? He did about, I would say, 15, what I know. But one was the biggest one. So that was about six hours lasting. And where, where did he replace the skin? Your main skin has about four different layers of skin. So they don't take all four, they take half, maybe two thin skin. And of course they have to remove that burnt skin because it always will stay very red, you see. And they have to completely tear that skin and put the new one. So you see, they take you for long operation, and uh, they take uh, part of the, uh, your tummy. And how many months were you in the East Grinstead Hospital? Uh, yes, I spent about four months in East Grinstead Hospital, and I made some progress because certain things, they did it quickly because uh, they knew if they don't put quickly, then afterwards the new skin would never accept joining. So they did during six months about maybe five operations, big one. First on hands, because you see your veins, once your veins uh, start uh, will be closing and you never recover. So you see, they had to make sure what they put, because up to now I had burning hands. And the hospital was so overloaded with new cases coming day and night. So what they do, once they little help you to recover, they send you to your station because there was not enough hospitals to accommodate so many people coming from different accidents. So when they sent me to my station, I reported to my commanding officer. So he looked at me and he said, well, warrant officer, 
I was already promoted then to warrant officer from sergeant, you see. He said, and what you think you're going to do? Looking at me, I said, sir, what I want to do? I want to do what I was taught to do, fly. So he looked at me. He said, didn't you have enough flying? Yes. I said, sir, but that's what I want to do. I said, I decided and I thought I still should continue. He said, I'm glad you still think you will be able to do what you've been doing. But he said, first of all, I have to give you another test. Will you be able to do that? So he told me, he gave me test with another two doctors. They will take off with me and look my reaction, how I will feel. So for two hours flying, I was sitting with those two doctors and they were asking me certain things. And when we landed, they told me they're going to leave all the report to my commanding officer. So I thanked them. On the next day, my commanding officer left a message he wanted to see me. So when I was going to see my commanding officer, I was almost nervous in case probably they decide what I have certain effect after that crash. But I said I have to go and listen what he will tell me. So when he, I went to his office, he said, sit down. I sat. He said, I had your report given to me. And he said, by rules, as you was determined to fly again, and whatever test you pass, I have no power to stop you to fly again, yes. And he said, will you think you will be able to do your job as before the accident? I said, sir, I probably will have even bigger now experience and happiness to return to do my job because he said, I have nothing else to lose now. And I did another few operations, but then my squadron was converted to Lancasters. For how many missions did you fly Lancasters? About 12, I did 12. And hospital recalled me. For more operations? For more, because they said it is in their rules. You know, everything should heal one after the other. Yeah. And when you were flying, were you uh, more scared, more traumatized about another crash, or were you, were you, was your mind okay? No, no. You know why? because I had such a hatred to Germans. Almost disfigure, you know what I mean. 
And you blamed the Germans for your injuries? Yes, I did. I did, yes. And I saw, or during my service, or some cruise didn't came back, and I also had that clause in my hatred. What they started the problem, and so many people losing their lives. My hospital asked me to go back, so I took that letter to my commanding officer. I said, sir, I have very bad letter. My hospital want me to go back. He said, yes, I received the letter also, so you should be very happy. I said, no, sir. I'm not very happy. I said, I would like to continue. So he turned to me. He said, no, you should be very happy, but they still want to do something to help you. He said, because otherwise you will be facing your life as you are now, not what you should look. What was the response like from, from people, from your friends, from your crew? How did they you. respond? You see, that hospital in East Greenstead, that is the town when people never stare. Because those people knew what we lost our disfigurement and other injuries, some lost leg or arm, or whatever. They knew what kind of job we were doing. And they didn't stare at us. That's why we love that, the people in that East Greenstead. They give us heart, and we used to continue to have our reunion there for many, many years after when war ended, and some of the boys came from Australia, from Canada, for two days reunion to East Greenstead. But now is discontinued because it's very few left those boys here. I'm one of them from Polish, you see. And if you hadn't had plastic surgery, would your life have been very different? Oh, yes, yes. Maybe in that town, people is Greenstead. They got so used to see so many those people. And the doctors that Sarajevo Makin do, he had such a big responsibility, how many people quickly as possible to rebuild them. That doctor, not only what he tried to rebuild better bit of your look for the future, but mentally to recover too. Lots of them turn to live different life, taking to drinking and losing self-control and many, many things happen. I tell you, the last little important thing what I remember, when I land myself in the hospital, my wife, I mean, 
during that time, not my wife, just girlfriend, uh, find out from my friends what happened to me because uh, she wrote to my friend and she said she had no news from me. He replied to her and she said he had accident and he is in hospital. So my dear friend, she said, which hospital? <laughs> in London, because I met her in London, you see. He said, no, he is somewhere in Sussex, but he said, uh, we are on holiday, so he said, uh, I have his address uh, at base, you know, in the squadron. So she said, when you get back, please phone me and uh, tell me his address. So he did. And on Saturday, I remember Saturday about one o'clock, a staff nurse came and she said, Jan, there is some lady who want to see you. And she came and she said, what happened to you? Why didn't you phone me what happened? I said, but look at me, uh, my hands all bandaged, I said. And I said, I'm not very presentable to tell you what happened. I also said, but you shouldn't do that. She said, you're not only one what's happening. You said, she started to give me a bit of more spirit. But I said, if the doctors will help me and uh, put me more suitable to have holiday, then I said, I probably will see you, yes. Or she said, not probably, you make sure. I said, how did you came? She said, by train. I said, what about your car, what you have? I have no petrol, she said. My car is out of use, so I took her back to the station, which is about, you know, a couple miles, and thanked her for visit. She said, why I came to visit you? Because she said, all, most of those boys, they have family come to see you. But I knew you have nobody. And, that, and those words catch me up to now. And when war ended, I marry her, because that's what we give each other promise. She was, she was wife. What I won't, I won't sell her for weight in diamonds, <laughs> because she knew how to help me in the end. Um, the guinea pig club, we hear about it. Was it important for you all to stay together and, and, and stay in the club? Yes, yes, that was friendship, that was friendship. And when that year came, what we always had in September, Battle of Britain, is grace that knew it was like carnival here, you know what I mean? And people accept us. 
If you decide to go on your own, you still can stay in that hotel, Felbridge Hotel in East Grinstead. And, they, and you all, the reunion helped you, helped yes, you? Yes, yes, they helped us. They helped us uh, because mentally, you see, that was the important time. And that doctor, sometime in the evening, when he finished his whole day operating, yeah. He will pop to the cocktail bar to that hotel, uh, Whitehall in East Greenstead. And we always wear uniforms. If we could walk to town, we were allowed to go evening, you know, to cinema. So sometimes he will meet us in bar, in cocktail bar, have a glass of beer or glass of wine to give us more self-confidence, you know what I mean. He was a man. What he knew, not only to put the skin on our faces, but how to rebuild our mental, you know, feeling. And we will remember him for the rest of our life. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.